So it's all about the 100-foot wave. Believe it or not, finally went and saw that. Do you remember us talking about this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Upcomings. It. it was on an Upcomings, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, a year ago, literally over a year ago, because the second season just finished. Finally caught up with this, and I loved it so much. I can't tell you. And I, I, I binged the whole thing, um, 12 episodes in like five days or something like that. Okay. Our our episodes, but what do you remember about this, or about what have you exactly? heard? Uh, have you heard anything? It was uh, about surfing, right? Surfing, yeah. Is that the only thing? Like you haven't heard people talking too much about no, it? No, not anything? really. Okay, I feel like I'm. I feel like I should have. So it stayed in my brain partly because the Watch podcast. One of the two guys on there loved it, and I was just like, "Wow, this guy keeps bringing this up a lot." And so that kind of stayed in my head. And then the second season mm-hmm. came about, and for some reason, I finally decided to get into it um and yeah it's great man it's so it's so good because it's more singular than i thought it would be i thought it was going to be jumping around different stories of dudes trying to catch 100 foot waves or whatever Mm, sure but it's not it's following one guy who found supposedly kind of the most biggest consistent big wave that nobody knew about in like 2010 in portugal and so he goes and investigates it Nazare, yeah, he goes and investigates it and is like, dude, this is amazing. It's very dangerous because you have to be towed in and you need to be every, all the big waves you have to be towed in. But specifically, you have to get picked up right after your wave. You can't just come in on the beach because it's a crazy cool. mishmash of all these big ass waves. Um, so it's very dangerous. And there's like a rocky cliffside and all this stuff. So it's the yeah, mechanics of tense. Yeah, so it's like it's showing you the mechanics of how best to do this thing, the origins of using this spot, and then kind of it getting out and leaking into the world and people respecting mm-hmm. it. Because at first they tried to say it wasn't a big wave because this and that. There's weird sure. little inside. Well, it's the whole the gatekeeping. The, yeah. who, who's this new wave who thinks he's so hot? Well, this guy, oh, yeah. Wait, I mean, this, this is a guy, pretty cool new wave. No, you know, I'm specifically talking about the wave. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I know. Yeah. And there's like mechanics of waves that I don't know anything about that. Like, I guess other surfers, other big wave guys might be like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, considered a you know, particular type of might, wave. might descent. Yeah, yeah. So it took a while for it to gain steam. The whole show progresses over the years as it he goes back every year. Slowly, more people start coming until the present day in the second season. It's completely brought to present. Um, but that first season covers like 10... 10 years, about all the way up to the pandemic about, um, mm-hmm. from 2010 to 2020. Yeah. So dude, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's so good. And then you that's learn about cool. these other that, surfers and their lives uh, kind of, and their obsession. Cause it's really just an obsession. That's like not paying yeah, the them whole concept of, of big wave surfers a trip. Yeah. 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 And they go to Mavericks one, one little bit. I don't know if you know Mavericks off of a uh, San Luis Obispo, uh, area, Monterey kind of area. No, uh, famous. I didn't know. That's a very that's famous, a nearby, big nearby big wave place. Yeah. Big, yeah. Near, near for us in California. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you go to a couple different wave spots here and there in between Nazare, but it's mainly like a show. Like literally, they could call it Nazare, the home of the new uh-huh. biggest. And wave. And is the second well, season the same in the same place, or are we going to a different place? It, no, it's that's what I thought too. But no, it just mainly follows. It'll branch off and follow other surfers and kind of make an episode story around that person's kind of progression and uh, uh-huh. a dramatic kind of narrative within their journey through Nazare and maybe going to a different pla- couple different places. So. Uh, uh, yeah, dude, cool. great show. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, wanted to mention two other ones real quick. I've been on this kick, dude. This like, that's what happens. I think sometimes, right? You get like a good uh, doc series, and you're like, oh man, I just need more and more of these, you know. And it just worked out that like Burden of Proof. Do you remember we covered this on Upcomings? Mm-hmm, yeah. Burden of Proof on HBO is a four part doc series about this guy investigating uh, years after his do- his sister who just went missing, supposedly, mm-hmm. and he suspects his parents did it because they're very suspect in some of the ways that, that things were being handled. And um, and then the case file was lost, so they didn't have all the details. So this guy is trying to do his own side investigation. And it goes in different directions as the thing kind of progresses. Um, and that's over like seven years. That thing's followed over a seven-year period of, of this uh, this guy and his you know journey to try and get get answers. You know, it's amazing. Uh, do we so get, good. Do you think the ending was satisfying too? Uh, yeah, it doesn't solve it, which is fine. I'm sure. totally fine with that. But it did take it in uh, very surprising directions, um, which is cool. Like as they like slowly get more and more information, new information comes to light. You know, um, and uh, yeah, makes it fun. So, uh, yeah, like there, I wonder if there'll be a follow up. I, I would think maybe there would be like if they had more in- information on what happened exactly. But it's going to get to that point because there's no body. There's no uh, not too much physical evidence to go off of. So it just makes it a tough, tough case. But it's put together well. Yeah, it's edited sure, it well. Makes sense. Like when a doc series is good for me, it's because it's com- they make it compelling for me as a creative endeavor. You know what I'm saying? Not strictly yeah. just the story. It has to be uh, how it's conceived. Uh, lastly, the Arnold documentary series. Do you hear about this on Netflix? Uh, this is not. No, we didn't I'm cover it. Stallone, the we family Stallone. That's not the Arnold documentary. No. Oh, that. I want to look into what that. Is the Arnold documentary. So, so no, you, the family Stallone is his. His. <laughs> oh, the other people in his family reality probably. show. The reality. Oh, okay, okay, got you. Go. Well, what's the Arnold thing? Uh, Arnold has a three-part doc series about his life, um, which I had heard rumor of and like it was coming and it was going to be like a Tiger Woods style, like very honest talking about his, you know, problems with, you know, like that affair made he by had him, with though? the... Uh, yeah, made by... Um, I don't know. He seems very involved in it, but he's very willing to just like be completely open about uh, a lot of different things that aren't very positive. So, um, yeah, it was great, man. It was cool. I don't know that much about Arnold and like what that, what that jump was from to movies from bodybuilding. I was really curious about Mm -hmm. that whole thing. And, um, yeah, man. So it's just, uh, it's really fun, especially for our generation coming up with, um, Schwarzenegger, you know, and having all, uh, him being so, so much a part of our young lives and all his movies and stuff. No, yeah. He's, he's a, Super interesting person. He's a guy who decided to just basically, um, like, succeed to the highest uh, levels at three different uh, industries. Right. Uh, exactly. Bodybuilding, acting, and uh, governing. Right. Um, right. So, yep. uh, yeah, he basically just. But uh, I, I have, I've, I have seen a few uh, or listened to a few uh, podcasts and, and docs about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have a really interesting life. He is not. It's not spotless. He's not a perfect guy. There's yeah, plenty no. of like dark spots in there. But mm-hmm. that just means he's a human. He's, he's right. He's, he's 
it's three-dimensional uh right. i do see that the the information around this doc series definitely is pushing the this is stuff you didn't know about him even if you have seen that stuff before so right. that's interesting yeah yeah man no it was fun um so that's yeah three doc series that are out right now and i just happened to see them all literally like back to back to back and i was just like oh my gosh what a run what a run of doc series for myself but what a run other of people doc can series, go to that. says dan <laughs> yeah anyway this is down to watch this is i'm dan and that's raul i'm raul yep that's me all right and we're gonna dive into some uh old we're gonna do a flashback movie yeah is it are we far enough from the 90s that we could just flash back to the 90s now? Because we usually flash back to the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like every once in a while. I think we've done a 90s thing here or there, right? Before? I, I, I think I, so. I remember. I still remember uh, flashback lunch uh, on K-Rock as a, as a 80s music uh-huh. from 12 to 1. Mm-hmm. So to me, the flashbacks were always to the 80s. Now we're moving to a time period. I guess the classic rock stations now mm-hmm. play nirvana so i guess ni- 90s is classic yeah i mean i think it is becoming that way just the progression of time i see uh-huh. a lot more stuff i'm um, talking about 90s um stuff sure. 80s is starting to feel like the 70s kind of in a lot of yeah, ways like, I, right? I got all these yeah. gray hairs coming in too so i think <laughs> i think that's another sign uh yeah but I got to tell you, Dan, mm-hmm. the movie we're going to talk about tonight, uh, mm-hmm. this might be, this is up there on the movies I've seen the most number of times. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I knew you were familiar yeah. with it, but I didn't know uh, necessarily uh, how much. But yeah, you... And, and it's yeah. it's funny that this is the movie, this is in there, probably top 10 maybe, uh, uh-huh. but not for any specific reason other than just when I was a kid. I saw it when I was a kid. I was like 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just liked it a lot. I just, I was super into it yeah uh but the number one movie i've seen the most times Mm -hmm. is the matrix Mm, interesting so to say that that's crazy 10 of movies i've seen the most time is also the city we're talking or the movie we're talking about today yeah dark city yeah Uh, yeah we'll have to discuss that because there's a lot of similarities a lot of connections there's a lot lot of of, not just similarities direct connections yeah right i've heard some i learned of some tips and tricks about uh things Mm -hmm. involved behind the scenes that uh were very curious yeah yeah and i so my perspective is i'm not an obsessive of this movie i i think i saw Mm. it in a theater like when because it came out when i was 15 I distinctly remember it coming out in theaters being like, oh, I got to go see this thing. But then I feel like I fell asleep or something happened and I don't remember the movie at all. And then I owned it on DVD. And I feel like I've seen the beginning a lot of times, like the first 30 minutes. For some reason, like I feel like I've seen like pieces of it and mainly in the beginning part because I didn't even remember that it was a planet. I didn't know that. I didn't remember any of that about what the city was. So yeah, the the DVD came out uh the same year that the movie came out uh mm. in in, mm-hmm. in 98 uh new line so right it was had, a nice one right too it was, it was. a lot of oh, yeah. stuff on it yeah uh but you have to remember that that was the theatrical release right so i right. i got that dvd and i watched that a lot that was one of the first dvds i had that was one of the first movies that kicked off like the era were, of i'm a movie nerd right right uh, and i'm gonna watch movies that nobody's heard of and i'm gonna try to find the movies yeah that was like one of the first ones if not the first one right uh the the movie that we saw this for this podcast we watched the director's cut mm-hmm. uh, after doing a little research we heard that people seem to prefer it it's a oh, little yeah. bit longer it does move things around a little bit the story is a little bit more 
uh, it's presented a little differently. I think mm-hmm. the beginning's different too, right? So what I heard, yeah. So the one of the biggest distinct difference I heard is that there's no voiceover. There used to be a voiceover at the beginning that kind that of Kiefer Sutherland. Who does the voiceover, you mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who the voice is, but... I think it was. I heard that, yeah, like literally they tell you all the secret kind of stuff of the people mm-hmm. and why they're, what they're trying to do. Um, oh, is that the stuff from the middle part that when he kind of, the middle to like he's the... explaining everything? Yeah, is, is that stuff moved? Because I heard there was a middle scene too that was in the front of the movie that they moved back because that also was like very revealing because they felt like I guess in uh, test audiences they were the studio was afraid because they were getting feedback that the first act was very kind of slow and uh, took a while to kind of pick up Mm -hmm. steam Um, but watching it now and knowing that and not remembering any voiceovers and thinking this is the perfect mystery like I love the aspect of this that I don't know what's going on and how that would be so ruined if I was just told what's going on in fact I even think even in this cut, I'm not going to lie. I remember the mystery being uh, uncovered even deeper into the movie because mm. like even here, 20, 20 minutes into the movie, mm. we get our first alien and mm-hmm. that's barely into the movie. You know, like that's was it 20 minutes so, that we see one yeah. of the first stranger or uh, you mean what I, we know as an alien. You mean like that we know that yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. When we first see like, oh, that's something not human. Right, because we see those stranger guys. I think they call sure. them the strangers, right? That's the name we can call yep. them. Yeah, they they show up right when he leaves that hotel room in the first, like, five minutes, right? Like, within they, 10 minutes. Do, did you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Uh, Buffy? No, 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 no. The, not the movie, the show. Nope. Uh, nope. See if you could look up really quick The Gentleman, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. Uh, and those um those dudes... Uh, we're pretty scary guys. Oh, That's a fun episode. Yeah. That's the silent episode. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I think these are all just variations on Nosferatu, right? That's what I, like, yeah. Oh, I heard okay. the director specifically say like German expressionism and Nosferatu were like the okay, big perfect. Uh, influences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I recognize these creature guys as kind of always the same, same sort of a creep, right? Mm-hmm. Like sort of a all controlling, uh, in the shadows, uh, uh, bad guy. Yeah, and it reminded me kind of of the Hellraiser. Uh, Ooh, I could guy, do that. Right? Pinhead? Yeah, the pinhead sure. specific. I mean, all those guys, I guess, are, have a have a, even though they have different flavors of torturous whatever things, but it's. Like, I did like. Yeah. They all had their names were just uh, mundane objects. Is that right? And the yeah, Hellraiser, like Mister Book and Mister Hand and Mister. In this you know, movie, they all had like. Yeah, in this movie too, right? Rip. Uh, yeah, they call that one guy. Yeah, Hant, Mister Hant. Oh, right. Oh, okay. I didn't notice all the other Mr. names. Mister Book was the guy in charge. The 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 main. Yeah. Baldy. Right. Mister Hand was the guy that they in- injected with the with the things. Right. Right. I see Mister Wall, Mister Sleep, Mister Quick. Oh, cool. That's cool. I didn't notice a lot of the other names. That's mm-hmm. fun. That was neat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so there's a. So, I think we can't not talk about this movie without mentioning a lot of its either its influences somewhat, but also its influences on uh, pop culture and a lot of well, other. Stuff. Well, you mentioned the director earlier. Yeah, uh, Alex Proyas. Uh, he, I remember at the time that he was like an exciting new director who was going to be like of a uh, not young. I don't know how young he was, but like yeah. a voice of like new cool. Uh, uh, 
uh, movies, uh-huh. uh, specifically because of The Crow, his first... Uh, oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I was wondering what put that on your radar. Okay. The Crow was the thing that was like, oh, man, this dude made a movie that's so hip, so like right. young and cool. Right. Uh, and then he made Dark City, which I saw. I know it didn't get like... Uh, uh, it wasn't super popular, but yeah. I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's that's awesome. I I do like this guy a lot. Right. Uh, and then he made a movie called Garage Days, which I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think. But yeah, I think he kind of fell off around there, right? Yeah, I don't really know this guy either. Um, what I what I saw as an influence on, uh, like a connection to somebody he involved in this movie that I think is maybe the person that went off and because he described a producer that like went from this movie to The Matrix and kind of mm-hmm. like showed a rough cut oh. of this movie. Two yeah. producers of The Matrix, which I think was Goyer, maybe David. Uh, Interesting. David Goyer, who was a writer, a co-writer, and then mm-hmm. became like, uh, and that made sense to me too because he became more like you know David uh, S. Goyer made the Blade movies. He mm-hmm. helped, I think, write The Crow as well, and he went on to work with. Uh, Nolan and write a lot of uh, Christopher Nolan movies, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting because this movie compared uh, to write Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, yeah, I think produced, but does, I think he also wrote. His brother write his movies? No, I think he like I think there's like co-writers, you know, like okay. before if he wasn't as involved. Yeah, his brother was involved a lot, but then uh, Jonathan David Goyer specifically wrote like Dark Knight, all the like, the the Batman movies and stuff. He definitely has a has a style. Like you can see his mm-hmm. his his influence, his writing influence come through. So when you see Dark City and you watch The Matrix, like uh, and you and you compare them, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that people have uh, called ripoffs of one to the other. Right. Uh, right the, that going from dark city to the matrix seeing as dark city came out first yeah and uh, it was done it was like did you read this that was done in 96 or 97 i think they shot mm-hmm. it in 96 it was complete in 97 and then didn't get released because of titanic yeah. so they delayed the release to 98 and then matrix came out in 99 but really this movie was done this movie had two years before the matrix years yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had that. They also time. share not just that, but uh, a lot of times studios spend a lot of money building sets and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a waste to throw them away if you were gonna make if you were already making a movie that was gonna have a lot of the same visual aspects. Right. Uh, so actually, a lot of the Dark City sets, which are which are incredibly, in a very charming way, mm-hmm. low budget looking. Yeah. Like this this movie looks independent. It's a yeah. New Line Cinema movie. It is an independent movie. They yeah. were they were an independent movie studio at the time, right? Uh, or like a low, not low budget, but like a they weren't a powerhouse studio. No, they're like a Lionsgate, right? Of today, mm-hmm. of like uh, ten years ago or something. Lionsgate's getting really big now, but uh, uh, at the time of like when Lionsgate started, that's what I, I kind of equate yeah. to. Yeah, um, yeah, because uh, I think they made this for like twenty seven million. I heard at that time, which twenty seven million. Let's see, twenty seven million in. Uh, 1990 probably like a 45 million dollar movie which doesn't exist 52. anymore it'll make those yeah that's All like right, a 50 million dollar thing so that's pretty pretty good it's a decent you know? budget yeah um there's some decent actors here but oh like i was saying the set so yeah. what they did was they moved some of those sets over to the matrix and they're like hey you guys take over but yeah for sure if you watch the movie there's yeah. some shots lifted from this movie to the matrix um yeah. specifically thinking of that under bridge shot uh-huh. Uh when uh Neo meets his uh his rebel uh a hacker team for the first time uh-huh. and they right before they take the bug out of his stomach. Yeah. 
Oh, um, right. That there's a scene in this movie that's almost identical to that. The right. beginning of that scene right. from above the bridge. Yeah. Like that's almost the same exact well, shot. Yeah. Okay. So I, I did hear that about the sets and I heard, well, I heard at least one set was used between both of them, but the who knows talks? if it was more. No, I thought it was, a, I thought it maybe it was the subway one. Was when we had that fight on the subway? I don't know for sure. Oh, I, maybe. I heard I, that the rooftops were definitely reused. Oh, okay. That could totally be. I think I made that up in my... I just linked that in my mind because I was like, oh, subway, subway. Mm-hmm. The subway fight and then the... And they cut in this sure. video I saw. They show cuts from both of them that I was like, oh, that must be why they're linking those. But I don't know for sure. Um, but then also, because the directors talked about how like the look he's like it's one thing to be like okay yeah you can have the same ideas because we're both we're all borrowing from like metropolis and like these old yeah. ideas of movies that go way back but it's specifically this, this, like, i should i think we should probably describe for anybody who doesn't know what this movie looks like it looks like batman the animated series uh it looks like it looks like gothic a, like tim burton but not as like over the top right not as gr- over the top. Uh, like Tim Tim Burton is fanciful, cartoony gothic. kind this of. This is yeah. like this is noir gothic. Yeah, this is, exactly. This is smoky detective gothic. Right, but but also impressionistic to a certain extent. Like everything looks a little, that's a, a tiny bit cartoonish. Yeah, tiny bit like yep. exaggerated. Yeah, tiny bit like too wrong. And right. it turns out, and and we haven't really talked about the story of this movie yet, that it is maybe a little cartoonish and exaggerated because it's being created by a a, a culture of aliens who have right. I don't um, nobody remembers we find out later but has basically taken a bunch of humans hostage and is yeah. using them for experiments on this in this fake city that they that they get to manipulate every night and right. they can they can change the sizes of buildings. They can move human beings around and change their memories so that they're different people every night. And what yep. the aliens are trying to do is they're trying to find out what makes humans individuals because mm-hmm. the aliens themselves share a hive mind consciousness and uh, they're desperate to be individuals for privacy for for individuality. And, yeah, and they're and they're dying, right? Then they say that uh, yes, they're dying, which I didn't understand exactly why I don't think they explain okay okay yeah um, there's, there's a lot unexplained in this movie uh and yeah. there's somewhere in my notes but i'm not gonna look for it yet um that says like there's very little that it, in this movie that isn't direct plot there's almost nothing that happens or that isn't going and then this okay viewer <laughs> this is a piece of information now yeah put this down in your notes right like there's a little bit of like existential thinking between um, the detective played by William Hurt and uh, I gotta tell you the first time I laid eyes on Jennifer Connelly in my life yeah. I would I fell out of my oh damn yeah chair. yeah I forgot she was even I really honestly I remember the main guy uh, what's his name again Huel. Rufus Sewell. Sewell. Rufus Sewell. Sewell, yeah, which we we actually covered him in uh, on Kaleidoscope yeah, we recently. Talk, we could talk about him. Yeah, a yeah, bit. he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's kind of just character actor guy. Doesn't yeah, really... Jennifer Connelly. But yeah, Jennifer Connelly, uh, I forgot was in this, and Kiefer Sutherland's the only other one that I remembered because uh, he's like kind of the face of the movie and the advertising. I feel like right, like as like kind of a he's so quirky and like strange looking. Yeah, I remember uh, that that was people's biggest problem with the movie right i was like i was, was learning Kiefer's that his performance i was yeah. learning that from people and i kind of i so, totally see that i totally so Kiefer southern plays the doctor who creates the memories for the aliens he's a human mm-hmm. he, he's a he's a turncoat trader 
he works for the aliens and he creates the memories that he injects into people to move them around uh but he mm-hmm. plays it ah, it's gonna be difficult to describe uh he plays it breathlessly so he's constantly like he's got a uh yeah a, staccato breath yeah that he that but but it only happens while he's talking like right. he's not standing over there huffing and puffing when other, the scene is happening mm-hmm. he's just standing there looking weird it's like he's out of breath uh, yeah he's getting out of breath for some reason but yeah as soon like, as he starts talking yeah. he does a very sharp breath uh, thing. talking yeah and then and he he's got some some uh He's got a little bit of uh, product over his eye. He's got a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what that's supposed to because he can they see. Gave probably him like out a of it, weird but. eye lip that I, hangs. I think the idea is, is that he was tortured maybe by these guys. Sure. Is that why his Could leg be. is that's messed like burn, up? Maybe it's like a burn scar or something. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking because we learned that he's not. You call him a turncoat, which he's just doing that to survive. It seems like obviously, but. He, <laughs> sure. No, he. I feel like he likes it. I there, feel like he enjoys it. Well, a part of that though, I wonder if it's like he's trying to sell his enjoyment because he's like, uh, or he's given power or something because these people need him, so he knows that. Yet he still created those memories and was sure, implanting. He's, uh, he's a hero in the end. He's heroically. Yeah. Well, and tell uh, me this. So like those ones that um, Sewell has that he like tells Kiefer's telling him to like go deep at the end of the movie, go into your memories mm-hmm. and kind of think. Was he implanting these seeds over time? Because he said, "You, I've given you many memories, like over the, you've oh, lived many lives and all this stuff. That's not how I understood it. The okay. Way, because when he says, okay, so to the end of the movie, uh, at the very end, the aliens find out that Rufus Sewell has alien powers. Yeah. And they're like, okay, then that's the guy. We're mm-hmm. all going to jump into his consciousness and like take a piece or whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's exactly called how comment. it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they strap him onto this thing and they go, we're going to, we're going to put these memories in you that's going to make you part of our collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, uh, Kiefer has po- has palmed uh, some other memories, and this is what I understand mm-hmm. what those memories were. Mm-hmm. He was injecting him with all of his original, all of Rufus Sewell's original memories mm-hmm. of his original life, but mm-hmm. still there in that city. Like there's no right. other memories. Right. It's just the one that he grew up with before they started like erasing them and rewriting them all the time. Yeah. Uh, but within those memories, he has also hidden information about the aliens. Right. And what he has done is he has introduced himself as different people like, like Kiefer Sutherland has written as a character himself Mm -hmm. to over, uh, to superimpose over people that Rufus Sewell remembers throughout his life. It's an ice cream man. It's one of his teachers. Postal man. Can you remember yeah. other things? A postman. postman. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he disguise himself, right? Those characters. He's kind of disguising he's himself. In the, yeah. People who didn't matter mm-hmm. to like who they were, mm-hmm. he's instead replaced with him and that whenever he appears, he's relaying the information about the aliens so mm-hmm. that once the download is complete, Rufus comes out of the machine knowing so much about the aliens that he now has complete control over this power that he has yeah yeah right okay yeah because i was it was complicated yeah i mean even i like the <laughs> idea to think that like Kiefer was doing some of this all along but it doesn't really make sense i don't think that he even knew the heights uh right. this guy would be really so uh, but when he's telling him to think back it's interesting to me too because in a way i think um He's able to Sewell's able to pull from like all the old memories that were like mm-hmm. 
in there that were so buried from the new memories that were always being injected in him from for these different new uh, personas that mm-hmm. he was giving him the ability in a way too to pull from just like the, the everything just like go deeper 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 even well, into the the I other think, stuff because some of those I were made something. up some of those were false obviously. well most of those I are all think false. some that's that's something that they don't address yeah. directly yeah and so like i think it's left for you to make it up for yourself right. a little bit right and so this is kind of what i think to me makes the most like comfortable sense mm-hmm. is that all those people that they have are from the same place on mm-hmm. earth and mm. therefore have all memories of Shell Beach and of oh, this mystery city. Uh-huh. Uh, and from those memories, the aliens, do we have a name for them? Just uh, the strangers. That's the only the thing strangers, I ever right. heard. The strangers, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the strangers have built this city from those memories in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really explain why Shell Beach is like the place to get away from them. Uh, you I know, think it's like, if anything just to sell the populace on like the idea of uh, a vacation someday spot. you can get away or maybe it's like a thing. totem maybe, maybe it's like the central totem that w- on which uh, memories are, are built so that like it's an optimist like they have something there that the people aren't questioning too much you know about uh, mm-hmm. their realities maybe and so it's enough of a familiar thing a good feeling familiar thing like oh okay yeah yeah I remember I remember the beach. You know, that was nice. That's nice. Yeah, we got to go back there. Oh, yeah, we got to go do that. So it reminded me in that way of like Truman Show. Um, sure. You remember? Yeah, Truman Show came out, uh, I think, a year before this movie. Um, but again, it's a similar idea. Uh, it's kind of a fun thing that, you know, at some point the character tries to go to the edge of the universe and finds literally nothing is there but a brick wall and then space, yeah. you know? So it's like, yep. Yeah. The So. This movie does, uh, we should mention what, what the world is, is basically a disc. Uh, it's a flat earth, like flat earth theory. Yeah. It's yeah. a flat earth disc <laughs> city. It's a, the city goes all the way to the edge mm-hmm. under it are these weird alien ball machines that are basically the control center of that's where it. they live, right? Like um, strangers all live in the, in the like, below yeah, they world go down there to yeah. do the tuning, which is the power that they have to rearrange everything yeah that was an interesting term that was an interesting uh mm-hmm. way to to describe it and figure out what's going on before you even know that it's like because the whole time you're asking yourself what is this place like where would this be on earth if they were on earth you know that you could get away with and control this much stuff you know when you're still trying to put things right. together but so. it's not it's just a floating disc in space that they're they're all trapped on um yeah that's an amazing the, reveal the, that's a crazy reveal and we, we see the floating disc in space a few times. Nope, no sun present. Uh, yeah. Yet at the end of the film, the disc turns and a sun is revealed. Yeah, that, unsure so about how that happens. This is one nitpicky thing that, like, I know this is a total movie thing, and I was on board with it. But when you take it one level deeper, it's like humans need sun to survive. You know, like it's an inherent part of like. Uh, 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 life, you know what I'm saying? Like for, because it's like, what are they feeding these humans? Like you have to have sun to, you know, create, create food, yeah, food, to generate energy, all these kind of things. So in that way, it's kind of a fantastical thing, and it could be maybe explained away with some kind of alien technology that's beyond our means or whatever. But uh, so that was the only thing that was just like, uh, this is kind of a there's interesting I mean, idea. There's a lot of slip ups in the writing. 
uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, and it's, I still stand behind. Uh, uh-huh. I have something I noticed the very first time that I watched this movie is that they have a hive mind. But right. at the, the the first time we meet the strange the strangers in their like cave, Mister Book uh-huh. is mad that Mister Hand is not telling him something. And I'm like, <laughs> no fool, you have a hive mind. You already know, right? You're, yeah. Why are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, but their look is cool. And uh, for sure, when we when we get a look at their machine down under, we get the full Metropolis uh, uh, look because it's a big right. face. It's a big old oh, right. metal face. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Analy- that was uh-huh. their look, and that look of the machines is pure Metropolis mm-hmm. and um, Nosferatu uh, right. movies that were contemporaries, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that German expressionism thing, which I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. was like, if you remember um, do- uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Sure, uh, another looks a lot like that too. Yeah, like very fine edges and points. And it makes sense with, because um, they created the city and this was a cool detail I really liked and it helped. It was like a necessary explanation because you're trying to place the time uh, mm-hmm. before you know this is a planet this or this is an alien situation going on in, a, in space. Mm-hmm. You're like, where is this? What time period? Because it looks like 50s in a lot of ways. The cars sure. are 50s. People say cash on the barrel head. Right. Yeah. There's like a lot of phrases. And then you come to find out it's a mishmash of all these different eras mm-hmm. that the aliens just are kind of like flinging all together to kind of just confuse, I think, the situation. I think with it's humans just what, it's, what they it's, understand it's, to be. Exactly. That's what. It yeah, is. it's just thrown in a garbage disposal and grind it up and spit out, and it looks mm-hmm. cool. It looks amazing from an aesthetic point of view. It's an awesome um, setting for a for a movie uh, to have as a backdrop. You know, it and it's not a noir. It very much looks like a noir. It's supposed and there to represent the world and like feel of a noir. Yeah, but none of them are playing the characters in a noir. She's not a femme fatale. Right. He is not like the wrong man uh, running from like the they're yeah. all they're all put in the positions of noir characters, but none of them are actual noir characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, William Hurt plays the classic gumshoe. Yeah. Who immediately thinks something is absolutely wrong with reality is like right. uh, like he never like follows the traditional like, uh, uh, you know, because because Rufus Sewell is playing the one who believes in the in the in the impossible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so william hurt is got to like be grounded. the character who but no he's down to pick up a hammer and and, and knock that and brick uh, oh wall by down. then oh yeah yeah by then for sure that's, that's like halfway through the movie it's not even that deep um no it's closer I, I to the surprise uh, where isn't that closer to the last I third i thought i was i was always because it's like Maybe. an hour 25 in i, don't I think, think or something but i think the only thing they give william hurt to be doubtful about is his his uh, old partner who's all bonkers but then he kind of bounces right. back and forth between that because whenever he's talking to the brass he's like or to any of his other uh cops he's like hey leave him alone he's a good guy he's a good cop yeah and then as soon as he's around them he's like you're a crazy person you know that right <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah that was an interesting uh angle and it kind of explains i guess because william hurt just seems like I love that dude, and like I, I'll watch him in anything he does. But uh, he just seems kind of bored. Like he's supposed to just seem like and worn out, kind of like beat down, just kind of well, going through the motions of. Uh, how much do you remember of the original, the original movie? Which original? The or the the original cut. Sorry. Oh no, I don't remember it at all. Anything. I feel like there was some gross. Uh, oh, reason behind what? Uh, like no, a no, no, no. Uh, oh. uh, 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 like a. 
romantic tension between him and uh, Connolly at some oh, point. Interesting. Well, he goes that to I watch her. Excised. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, right. It is weird. There's a couple of moments where they're like they have a real soft moment, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. And I vaguely remember. Th- thinking oh i think in the original cut there's actually like i don't think she's like into him i think maybe she's trying to manipulate him right. i think he is into her or whatever oh, interesting. i think it's uh the the part that reminded me the most is where is when like he's talking about his mom's the gift of the the thing yeah uh and maybe because they excised that maybe uh, it left it a little director's cut entrails of like he something. now didn't have as as media story right. as maybe he originally did i mean the main differences though i heard was like it was a lot more of adding back in like extended parts of scenes and things mm-hmm. but in that maybe yeah maybe there was like oh let's trim kind of this back a little bit because we don't really need that you know because that easily yeah, yeah you're right because that easily could be the studio being like we need some kind of a little love interest uh something here for you know or whatever and that's the way to do it is through his character or whatever but um and i did get a little sense yeah and then there's that scene where she sings it's literally it reminded me kind of like a david lynch type moment where you just have like a singing moment and he's watching and Mm -hmm. then leaves and that's it although do you was this more common back maybe not in the 90s but like in the 80s 70s 80s was there more is uh-huh. it more common to just have yeah a, and now let's watch this ingenue <laughs> perform for you I know i think so yeah because yeah. uh and i jennifer connelly is a, a unique talent mm-hmm. incredible person uh i feel like she didn't hit as hard as this movie wanted her to hit mm-hmm. in that in that singing scene uh, yeah, because if it's I her voice she too, she doesn't the, really have a great voice, like, right? Necessarily, like and uh, she doesn't yeah. stand and she doesn't present like a femme fatale. She yeah, doesn't. Yeah, which maybe was part of the point. Yeah, which exactly. Maybe was part of the movie. I think a lot of this goes back to like the stilted nature of everything. Is just that everybody's like yes. a mishmash of memories and doesn't Everyone know what's going on. Is and acting weird. Yeah, and nobody yeah. is acting normal in this movie. Yeah, and I mean that both in in the story and the actors. Right, dude. Like, like when they, everybody has a. Uh-huh. Oh, there's a cool moment. It's not necessarily it's it's related to what you're saying. So like in the ho- the hotel uh, uh, manager slash what do you call it? Like a front desk agent that's working the hotel that tells him, oh, you owe me money on the barrel or whatever. Sure. The barrel head. Yeah. And then cash we, on the barrel head. Yeah. He's a white guy, middle aged white guy. We come back uh, like a couple scenes later with um, William Hurt and it's a black guy saying the right. same line. He's like, oh, I told him. And the then same later thing. on, we see at a newsstand yes. the, original, the uh, original hotel guy. The original guy. Yeah. But they do use the phrase, and that's why I mentioned it earlier because I wanted to talk yeah. about it. They use it as a marker, yeah. as a flag that goes, hey, that's a weird phrase. So you're going to remember it right. when a different person says it because you're going to be like, how is it that two people that are totally different yeah. but dress the same, yes. the, in the same position? It's so an interesting... It's a which dope is little why, uh, kernel of... Uh, <clears throat> Bread, I feel bread, like crumbs. this movie yeah. should have should have like threat like like uh what's the word I'm looking for like uh string us along mm-hmm. they should have stringed us along for longer mm, I feel like huh I feel they like, shouldn't have revealed as early as they did yeah, yeah I hmm I don't know like for me I feel like it was timed pretty well because you're not given all or, the answers you're given you're given first by a kefir like a whole soliloquy of like all these details of oh let me i wrote them down there's a couple of real info dumps yeah where they say they want to learn from humans what makes people human the redesign of the city combining eras hive mind trying to find a human soul i think that came later to own the human soul so they can survive or whatever so So, maybe maybe what i'm actually saying is this movie presents as one thing and then becomes another thing yeah that's Uh, true it is way more a like 
musing on like who are you oh yeah totally. are you your memories or mm-hmm. are you your decisions in the moment mm-hmm. right because like, way more than a mystery love story uh crime drama oh right? yeah oh yeah totally. even within the even or sci-fi alien thing right even not that right. it's it is much more like about like well, are you the heroic actions you're willing to do yeah like we mentioned, uh, was it the last episode with the night agent stuff? Remember we were talking about clues, mm-hmm. kernels that they drop. The writers will show you uh, things to think about this character and what what kind of person they are like right mm-hmm. off the bat. So he saves oh, the yeah, fish. Yeah. He sure. saves the fish right away. This guy who supposedly killed a hooker uh, saves a fish and now he thinks there, he's a killer. The, he thinks he's a killer. This, this goes into what I always say mm-hmm. about modern audiences being more savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they made that today, they would not add the scene where where Hurt literally asks, "What kind of a killer <laughs> stops to save a right, fish?" Right, exactly. Like you would have just understood that. Yeah, and they would have showed him look at the fish and be like, hmm. "Yeah," and that you would have understood. No, you're exactly right because I wrote down or I, I made a mental note of the fish thing for sure before Hurt said it. Before, so obviously, yeah, I did not yeah. need him to tell sure. me that. Yeah, no, that's exactly uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Another another uh, low budget thing about this movie that mm-hmm. is uh, unfortunate but stylized so uh, mm-hmm. um, forgivable. Uh, the murderer, there is no murderer. The, the right, the um, strangers the are doing it. Strangers mm-hmm. have been committing murders in order to inject a murder personality into a the society, Rufus. right? Kind of in, in general, like no, this. into Ru- no, sure, yeah, to yeah. have people being, ra- but they mm-hmm. also wanted to That's make it. to give Rufus Sewell the murderer personality, yeah, even though he's not a murderer, yeah, and be like, all right, let's now, test now it. that you are you gonna end up being mm-hmm. a murderer mm-hmm. or are you gonna be exactly. a good? And then, the, like you said, the first thing he does is save a fish, yeah. So obviously, they weren't able to control his, yeah, and that, he proves to himself, is, I'm not a killer. He, he, he proves this it pretty is quick. The, this is the 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 idea behind the agents who don't understand why humans are so they fight against the program in the matrix right like, exactly like, why don't you yeah. just allow yourselves to be controlled your cows be mm-hmm. cows mm-hmm. and then he is like i'm not a cow i'm mm-hmm. an individual right i am not a number i am a you i am a man yeah right the prisoner but what are you saying about the low budget part how does that uh, oh, the spirals. Uh, the the oh. murder. I remember. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so the murders are represented by blood spirals on right. bodies of uh, <laughs> prostitutes, yeah. of, of sex workers. Yeah. Uh, and they look like God. They remind me of. Do you remember when we were well, kids? Saw right? Saw. Sure. That's later. But before but that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oatmeal swirl. Oh yeah. There was an oatmeal yeah. that came with a pack of basically sure. sugar mm-hmm. that that was colored and mm-hmm. you would and the commercial would tell you to swirl to make a <laughs> swirl, swirl of it on top of your oatmeal. Yeah. And it was called oatmeal swirl. Right. That's what these swirls look like to me. Like somebody took those packets of, of yeah. jelly and just like swirled them around these yeah, it's, nude ladies. It's very goofy. And that's the thing is that I think it's literally the only thing that one of the pattern recognitions of the aliens is the spiral. Because if you notice, that's their it's a motif in their in their consciousness, yeah. like in the way they design the city from the top view. Do you remember seeing that? And it looks like a spiral. Yes. Like the whole city is kind well, of like in the they form replay of a, that idea. When they show the mm-hmm. the doctor's uh, experiment and it's a big it's a big circle maze, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's and, a lot of that they motif. Represent of like, that they represent John oh, and the Murdoch, maze too. It's Rufus Sewell's 
Right. But the, most of all, yeah. Rufus Sewell, uh, the connection uh, John Murdoch has to the aliens is first seen mm-hmm. in his uh, fingerprints, which are perfect spirals. Right. Exactly. Which, what, I, yeah, I was trying so to understand if like they put those on him, like they made no, his fingerprints into spirals or evolved pe- to connect to them. Well, and in general, all our fingerprints, like if you look at your own fingerprint, it There's is like very wave, much yeah. a spiral. It? Yeah. It's a, it, so it's an interesting angle inspired. on the motif, um, just for, mm-hmm. you know, just as like a different uh, idea to be put out there that we're all in some sort of a, we're all connected to this idea, you know, uh, yeah, and there, being caught in a maze like in a, a way too. There's a nice, there's also a nice idea behind the hive mind. Um, <clears throat> the idea that the, the aliens want to get away from a hive mind. Uh, but uh, uh-huh. what they did, in fact, was take human consciousness or human thought and smashed it all together to make a hive world. Like they took all the ideas of humans and what they think the world looks like and mm-hmm. built a world out of their collected like ideas. And so they right. get this weird mishmash 50s uh, gangster or not gangster, like detective world, basically. Right. Which is. Yeah, yeah, like, I mentioned that. Heightened I mentioned that and already. unrealistic, but. But cool looking. Uh, yeah, Dan, it works. I love an automat. I love an automat. Oh, yeah. When I wrote that down, I was so excited because I think you, like me, <laughs> we didn't grow up and have those at all, but we have an no, idealized view all. that those look so amazing. Those look so well, it's the, cool. It's the, it's the jet, the jet, uh, nuclear jet future, right? That like 50s, um, gleaming chrome we're going to space future like yeah exactly such a cool future it's such a yeah. neat idea yeah so um what's yeah. his name mel, mel brooks made a documentary literally about the uh, the history of the automat and it was so interesting about that yeah yeah i think i mentioned it I gotta too. Watch yeah that. it's not even that long it's like 70 minutes that. long but yeah it, and it, but dude, it, it, it was crazy how late it went though because it was possible for us as kids if we were in New York on a trip we could have gone to an automat yeah. because they they sure. existed until the 80s they like pro- the, I bet you there's still some in like the UK or whatever I think there's still could some be. in the UK and stuff could be um, yeah the uh, yeah. but yeah I wrote Dark City at the top of my notes and then I like tabbed I tabbed huh. over but I write them <laughs> so I didn't really tab right. uh, and then I wrote uh, can't wait for the goddamn automat <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote before I started watching. The oh, movies, that's like, funny! I can't wait that's for funny. the scene at the automatic. Yeah, I just no. Love I freaking places, lit up man. when it's I so saw cool. that. I was like, I know exactly what you guys are going for with the time period. You know, it helped me place mm-hmm. place things and kind and of that, give a nostalgia. You know what that key. diner looked like to me too? Mm-hmm. It looked a lot like the diner in the, the where the massacre happens in L.A. Confidential. Mm. Like oh, that little, just a little it's like a side. With it's like a little tables uh, long, elongated. Uh, Tiny boutique, yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. Very, very yeah, cool that's a good call. Cool yeah, and that's funny too because that's fifties as well. Fifties era thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I made is other it notes. 50s is that twenties? That might be even further back. Oh, you mean L.A. Confidential? Yeah, L.A. Is Confidential. 50s? I think, I think right. it might have been right. four. It might have been four. Maybe no, like forties. Forties, like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Not twenties. That's, that's yeah. a golden or what's a gilded because age, the cars. Right? The cars is the key because if you go too far back, that's the right. cars are like right. skinny ass little wheels and shit. Yeah. You be they become um, the Beverly Hillbilly cars. A couple more influences I thought of um, that I thought was interesting, yep. and that's why I mentioned uh, David Goyer and his influence through Nolan uh, was Inception, which he would he, David Goyer didn't work on, but. I just think Nolan was heavily influenced uh, by some of this uh, world mm. and the idea of the dreams. Um, and so like 
it's interesting to think of if you watch this movie and then you watch Inception, you kind of see the next level idea of dream creation. Because remember, they have somebody that's specifically the architect and the creator of dreams, you know? That's true. So, yeah. So that was uh, that was fun to me. And then I thought of Memento, too, because there's literally an aspect where it's accepting a past oh, right. that you know is false with the main character right mm-hmm. at the end of dark city uh Sewell is completely good now with living as uh somebody he's not inherently john but murdoch. it's all he knows yeah, he john murdoch decided to be john murdoch yeah he's de- he's decided this is the way he, to live but and he does survive and be good be all good uh, but he also chooses to he is basically god now in that city and he chooses right. to not right. be because right. the uh, his uh, what's her name? Jennifer Connelly has been re- mm-hmm. rewritten as Anna. She is now Anna. She's no longer oh. his his wife character that uh-huh. she was written to be and in love with him and all that. Right. And uh, they he walks out to to the pier near Shell Beach that he's mm-hmm. created with his god powers. Now there wasn't a beach and now there is. Um, right. And there's a pier nearby near that beach. Uh, and he walks out to the pier. He opens the door to the pier and there is um, there she is at the end of the pier. Now is Anna. Yeah. walks up right. to her. He stands next to her, allows her, her to talk to him. They chat for a bit and then she turns to leave. He doesn't turn around. He doesn't pursue her. He goes, I, I have all the power here. So yeah. it's got to be her. She stops and right. she turns and she says, hey, I'm headed to Shell Beach. You want to come with me? And he says, yeah. yeah. And that is a, like a legitimate, nice and proper, like romantic ending to their story, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like a reset, like a hard uh, reset starting without, fresh. Without like, while still addressing like the fact that he is basically all powerful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you remember the memento. That's what I loved about the end of uh, memento where he had facts and he chose to ignore mm-hmm. specific facts oh, yeah. because it didn't fit his narrative. Yeah. And so he was right. choosing to live this life of like this uh, solving a, a mystery because he didn't want to be confronted with the truth of his uh, death of his uh, family and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Ebert, are you aware of how much Ebert loves this movie? Roger Ebert? Yes. Absolutely. Dude, it's so that's one of the things I associate with this movie is literally how much he's like talked about it and loved it. I think he called it the best movie of like 1998. He um, he used oh, to wow. do these shot by shot um, things like uh, for years. He did one on Pulp Fiction. and It's literally like a three day event going shot by shot discussing every shot of a Nuts. movie. Yeah, it's crazy. So he did that, I think, with this one. And he has a commentary track on the DVD. He's on, which I want to hear. I want to oh, go back. Cool. There's actually three. I feel like three I or must four commentary at some point. Yeah, sure, I mean I'll, that sounds about right. Yeah, like this is definitely a movie the, that I feel like is it could be super interesting. And there's an up. There's like a. Think, um, did you hear about this? There's like a pop up trivia even track. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that pops up on the screen. Young like people as you're even it. know what commentary tracks are. Is that even a thing anymore? No, not really. I don't think so. I think there's an option you could do it when you bu- purchase things on like the Apple Store or whatever, like with an audio track. Oh, you, you can know, switch you can play the it, audio maybe. track. Yeah. yeah, I think they still exist, but they're just not advertised. And there's so much content that it's just like physical media is not a thing. Nobody's trying to like collect physical things. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's hard to quantify for people. I yeah. will. I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a DVD collection again. Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. One last thing. So, of, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to mention just on that Ebert point, because I listened, I I watched the three minute clip of uh, Roger Ebert and um, what's his name? What's the other guy? 
Cisco. Cisco, talk Cisco? about it. Cisco didn't love it as much, but so this is the weird thing. So I remember I mentioned uh, David Goyer writing Batman, right? Because he's like, this is the direction Batman should go. And that's what he said about Dark City in 98. And David Goyer would go on to uh, write Batman. And it, it's just funny to me that he called it. He literally saw that angle and called it. And that's the way, do you know what I'm saying? And like, in a way, yeah. it's a toned down version, like the way Nolan would shoot Gotham City in like Batman Begins, Batman... Uh, uh, Batman. What's the other one? Fat Bat. Uh, Jesus. Uh, what's the second one? Dark Knight and the Dark, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Uh, yes. Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he literally said, "This is the direction the next Batman should go in. Give him the next Batman movie." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's very fortuitous, old Ebert." Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what were you gonna say? You had something else on? Uh, uh, I was gonna compare a little bit of the. So there is that thing that we talked about at the beginning, the Matrix. Uh, there's always yeah. been a little bit of uh, discussion over how much of Dark City is reflected in The Matrix, and that's because they're both movies, pr- uh, primarily dark movies with green overtones mm-hmm. about a fake reality superimposed on humans by an existential, or not existential, an outside threat. Uh, 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 technologically advanced outside threat Mm -hmm. uh, that's drawing some value out of the humans Uh, and we're only the humans are only saved by a human who can somehow be like the uh, others uh, and Mm -hmm. then eventually uses those powers to overtake them and take control of the reality rather than breaking it right so yeah, that's, so what? That's they're basically the same movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, there's so much, dude. I saw these videos intercutting between uh, Sewell and uh, Neo from The Matrix. You oh know? sure. And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so similar. It's like the shot to the head is equivalent to to The Matrix, where like they get their things stuck in the back of their head. So yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of similarities. Um, yeah. I think overall, not, Matrix. Not just in how I described mm-hmm. it, like the visuals, like mm. visually, they are very similar. They look the same. Like the idea of a of That's, a crew of similarly dressed, sh- like sharply dressed the guys is the same. Like there's so much to it that is very very the same. Yeah, and even the director said that like. He was like uh, the crow was also like just doing the look of, you know, very stark looking people with like trench coats, long like uh, trench coats, you know, shown in like a hip way, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like which he was involved and, in with, with and, too, you know, uh, uh, similar music too. oh, yeah, the crow you know, totally. to uh, to the Matrix. Right. Yeah. There's so many things. And that's why I mentioned about the producer think, showing. Think, uh, yeah, I think Rage Against the Machine is on both soundtracks. Ha. Huh. I could see that. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Rage is uh, on Crow and Rage is the last song oh, in The oh, Matrix. Oh, Wake Up is the last yeah, Matrix song. Yeah. So yeah, almost same music. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, Rob Zombie is on the Crow soundtrack. So one of the these YouTube videos too, I saw that they said that it's the same uh, visual effects team that worked on uh, both The Matrix mm. and Dark City also, which is also like another reason why. Um, why visual look similar yeah and that's the main thing the director seemed to have a problem with was like it's not necessarily the content but like the intent of like the way it was shot you know and how similar Ooh, content the intent 
Yeah. Yeah, because like content, the story, obviously, okay, yeah, we talked about like that being yeah. a through line. That's Sim- fine. Big similarities. So, okay, so then the last uh, little thing I wanted to mention was this video talked about how like Dark City originally was supposed to or could be conceived as like the first part in this trilogy of ideas mm. where like if Dark City was part one, Matrix was part two, and then Existence was part three. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Have you heard about well, this? Or no, like connection I've seen existence though. Sure, yeah, you could see that connection, right, with the video game designer. But then, is like going into can't the you add like stuff. the thirteenth floor or like? Uh, oh no, a couple of other movies that are on the peripheral of this idea. Yeah, and that's why, like, this guy doesn't make it clear. He tries to act like there was some planned connection between these. What There's is like the no connection between those though? What is the actual connection between those three movies? Oh well, no, it's just like we were saying before. It just goes back to the stuff with memories having to do with like people being oh, okay, um, okay. using their memories yeah, then, against them to control them and stuff. And what does a memory mean? What is I, a memory? I, the human you know what? Aspects the of existence yeah. might not be a terrible movie to do on the pod. No, I would love to go. That's another one that that's I don't. Not a, that's not a terrible idea. I Maybe can't mix yeah, it with another Cronenberg one. We did video drum, right? Right. right. No, I don't think we actually Maybe, uh, no did Maybe it. Maybe that one's a good one to mix it with because it is basically. I saw Video Drum recently video too. Drum. Yeah, I saw that cool. like uh, in a theater. I wonder if I watch Video Drum again. Yeah, what is oh, it? No, it's, uh, it's the, the new, new flesh. What do we say? To long it? live the new flesh or whatever. Long live. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's all I've got to say about Dark City. I still yeah. I watched it again. Still love it. It's very dated. It is so nineties. You know what? Very it, it, very very dated. In a way, I know what you're saying, and I did write that, like, because, like, Kiefer's haircut I wrote as a 90s just, haircut. Kiefer literally has, like, titles, a 90s. The titles to the... To the to titles. The, but I can tell you this, like, visually with, like, the morphing of stuff and, like, a mm-hmm. lot of the... Oh, the, yeah. All that doesn't... It oh, aged yeah. well, I think. I think it aged um, pretty well in, in a lot of ways. Um, so literally, I, I appreciate it. Three hours before we recorded this podcast, yeah. uh, a channel I like a lot, and a channel that gets millions of views, Corridor right. Digital. Uh, they do, they put out their weekly uh, episode of uh, of special effects artists reacting to movies of you know pop with culture special effects. Special effects and yeah. they Dark City this morning they chose Dark City to talk about. And That's crazy. It was nuts. It's such a coincidence. And yeah, we're watching them like critique the morphing effects and stuff. And yeah. modern, you know, they're ten years younger than us, so modern right. uh, effects guys are still wowed by the effects that they were using back then. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. No, and so much so that I don't. If I don't watch that video and I just see that movie, like I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know. Like, and it yeah. looks very advanced. That is the fun thing about that is that they go like, hey, you know, or they, a lot of times they try to guess how it's done before they actually reveal. Right. How it's done, which right. Is neat. Yeah, and they're usually right. I think they're usually more often than not like, oh, okay, I can see, see the, yeah. see the so workflow. Dated, 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 still holds up. I still like it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool, man. It's a fun movie. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a good one to turn people onto too because there's it's like if a lot of people know the Matrix, but you can be like, well, let's go to like the pre Matrixy Matrix yeah. movie and the give like, you another thing that's uh, yeah to enjoy different things to yeah. enjoy. Why not? So to enjoy. Dark City. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what we're doing next week. It's still a mystery. But uh, yeah, we'll till then, adios. Right. Now, dude, watch.